Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about Scott's pick from 1994, which I thought this movie was older than this, but Death Machine. (laughs) It looks all of 1994, my friend. I I mean, I thought this was like 1991. Scott, how about you tell us why you picked Death Machine? So it had been on my long list for quite a while. I'm pretty sure that this was because it showed up on Prime. I think the Amazon Prime has it for streaming and I was like oh that one I remember that cover it scared the shit out of me and I think there's a guy who's all bloody who's like getting pulled down into the uh, bottom of the elevator I think he was on the back cover pretty sure this was one of those VHS boxes that fucked me up um just a little bit not as much as say like Dead Alive or Hellraiser Dead Alive Hellraiser and Luther the Geek a movie that yeah. is actually much better than it deserves to be from a quality standpoint but not from a 
charm standpoint. This movie is so absolutely stupid, and I'm not even mad about it. Like, I, I watched the first 10 minutes, I want to say, when I found it on Prime before um, picking it for the show, because that's what I do. If, if I've never seen a movie before for the show, I'm like, all right, I need to at least see if it, it if it's totally what happens with what we need, you know, well, with what we, you know, to bring the ha-has, and, uh, man, first 10 minutes of this movie does it for me, I mean, the rest of it does, too, but the first 10 minutes is great. So, I, I like that you brought up Luther the Geek, because something that this movie and Luther the Geek have in common is that I discovered them through the same book, which was Fangora Magazine's 101 Horror Movies You've Never Heard Of But Should Probably See. Ah, nice. So I I was aware of both of those existence from that book. Let me ask you a question, Brian. (laughs) When you started this movie... Did you think that the movie maybe started like midway through the film or something? Because <laughs> I felt like there was so much information being handed to me at a certain point that I was like, did I miss something here? Or are they just really throwing a lot of exposition at me? Not only did I feel that, I finished the movie and felt like I missed everything. I know that the guy's name is Hardman because <laughs> I kind of did a little chuckle. And I saw the deaths. I guess she just finessed them. Because I was like, okay, so she's dating the dude now. And then it was like, oh, no, it's just a finesse. And then I saw, like, the zombie apocalypse style group of people coming in. I don't know, dude. I am confused. I was confused watching it. I couldn't follow it. (laughs) This movie makes absolute sense. What's wrong with you? I mean, I would say 95% of the reason why you watch this movie is because Brad Dorff is just going... Oh, Brad Dorff is at 110% right here in this whole movie. <laughs> they, they were basically like, you're allowed to say bitch as much as you want, and it's 1994, and no one's going to stop you. So he's like, sign me the fuck up. Pay me to say the word bitch. He's just like walking. There's a scene where he just talks like Sylvester the cat for a couple seconds, yep. and I'm like, why? He does not have any lines. He has no script, all right? He's just there, and that's fine. I love the scene. So he becomes obsessed with the girl named Kale, and he's talking to her. I don't think she's her supervisor, but it's the first person that like we see him unleash the war beast on. The war beast. And he says something along the lines of like, why did you give her that access code? He's like, I didn't. She stole it. And then he punches him and he's like, don't ever call my girlfriend a thief. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's absolutely on the spectrum and that's why he doesn't understand that Kale doesn't give a shit about him. But the weirder things about this is that there are a bunch of horror references in the names. Like Kale, I don't, I, I feel like I should know what that is but well, the like one guy's name is literally john carpenter another guy is sam <laughs> raimi another guy is scott ridley which is obviously ridley scott backwards yeah. and then there's alien references with the two main guys from the um that eco-terrorist group and their names are wayland and yutani and which the is war the company beast, from aliens yeah. yeah and the war beast really does look like a metal version of the xenomorph to me like it does, well, you know, the whole thing. Strap in, because I'm here to shed some light on this for oh, a second. Oh, and, and, and Brad Dourif's character's name is Jay Dante, Jack Dante. There's a reason for a lot of this. Obviously, horror directors getting named characters in horror movies is like nothing new. Yeah. This was the debut film of a special effects artist who had previously Makes worked for Dick Smith, sense. Rick Baker, and Stan Winston. He worked on Aliens and Alien 3, so that's why the robot has that xenomorph vibe he only successfully directed four movies in his career 
starting with Death Machine. Wait, right? so do you mean by successfully as in they were finished production or yes. that he did a good job? Because that's a bigger question. <laughs> no, no, no. So his follow-up to this was Blade. He was the director that's of right. Blade. I have a note about that, and that's really fucking weird. He played Morbius in a deleted scene oh, cool. that you can find on the DVD. Then he did some movie that I never heard of called The Last Minute. But then the last movie he made was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So those were the four movies Which that looks he made. cool as fuck. That movie is a mess, and it really does not do the comic, the graphic novel justice, but it looks good. Beyond those four movies, this guy has been almost attached to so much stuff. What, how do you know almost? Explain this. So there's a whole page on his wiki account just called Unrealized Projects. <laughs> Here's the breakdown that it has. Most of these have source references. Okay. But it said he was offered a chance to direct Blade 2, but he turned it down. He was attached to do Ghost Rider, but he was taken off of that. <laughs> In 2001, he was supposed to do The hand, the Hands of Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. So the movie that we're finally oh, getting in shit. 2001. I, I promise you in 2001, it would have been garbage. <laughs> so that went through him. Um, and he said that it's an honest-to-goodness martial arts movie rather than a film that simply has martial artists in it. Then it was announced that Ang Lee was going to work on it as a producer. Then Stan Lee agreed to executive produce it with DreamWorks. And then, you know, we years later, we're, we're now at the movie that we're actually getting. He also was supposed to direct the live-action version of Akira. Wow. That fell through because of how bad League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. did at the box office. But he had every intention of doing sequels to that. He was supposed to do the remake of Clash of the Titans, but that fell through. He was supposed to do the reboot of The Crow, and that fell through. <laughs> uh, and that was kind of the last thing that he was tied to was trying to do The Crow. So he's just been floating in filmmaking limbo since League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2000. I'll tell you what, though. like That is a very almost famous kind of situation, and I kind of got to respect him for it because – can you imagine what his Akira would have been like? Because like That's, I watched I the Akira manga, if, if he could have realized that with what he did in in Death Machine, it would have been absolutely baller. I, I don't have a ton of notes, but I was like really sucked into the movie. Like I was enjoying it, but the thing that confused me, and maybe maybe I looked away at the wrong points or something, but this movie. What was super controversial for its excessive violence, and I felt like it was kind of tame. So I don't know if it got a ton of cuts. No, it, it's it. Yeah, it's the cuts, which kind of feel almost like music video cuts, you know, for 1994. And second of all, it's the murders that you see the War Beast do really take a long time, more yeah. or less. Like that guy in the elevator, he gets killed for like two minutes. And yeah, the War Beast a, is like long. unstoppable. I mean, it's a cool, it's, a, it's pretty much a, a really cool concept. And I think that it's really cool creature monster. I mean, I know it's a robot, but you know, like the monster quote unquote design is really cool. I just think that the problem with this movie is its pacing, which is both too fast and too slow. I think that's also the problem with the, it's, it's, its script is really trying to say a lot. And it's so bad at it, you know? Like, you got these eco-terrorists who are trying to stop this, basically, like, Stark Industries, you know? Like, if you want to take it to the MCU, this is Stark Industries. They have Rogue Programmer who made this 
you know, killer robot. And then, um, you know, these eco-terrorists come in and they're like, we're going to blow the whole dang thing up. And they eventually succeed, spoiler alert. But it's just a really long process to get there. And there's this really shitty Iron Man suit that they get. But it's almost like a Mega Man suit because the arm cannon <laughs> makes me laugh so hard. And and Dude, it's the like... the hard man suit. The Mega Man suit. We know. Where, where, where the War Beast design looks fantastic, the hard man suit looks like if... A bunch, you know how like there was those kids who did a shot-for-shot shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark in like 1982 or whatever. It's like if those same kids are like, "All right, let's do RoboCop next," and they had to like. <laughs> you know what they used to build this this hard man slash RoboCop suit? Were two of those like cool gl- sunglasses back in yeah. 1994? That's what that was the the, the the capstone of this project was like. Hey, let's cut these fifty-dollar sunglasses in half and then have them go boop boop down over his eyes and it doesn't make any sense that he would have to have his brain wiped but then he can get it back you know i don't even care this movie is such a i don't care movie this you know i mean this isn't the movie that i'm using for my double feature and i'm sorry if either of you well i'm sorry if matt you considered it but carnosaur 2 comes to mind in a very strange way where it's like you can't kill the carnosaur and it's also like on this elevator I don't know. I think similarly to really all the Carnosaur movies, the editing isn't helping this movie. No. At all. <laughs> like, no, it's not, like making, it's, it's not making things faster. It's what it's doing is it's making it more it's contracting time <laughs> in a weird way where all the shit that needs to be fast is too fast and all the shit that needs to be slow is too slow. It's very yeah. funny. But it's it's weird because I agree with all of those comments and complaints, but also simultaneously I wasn't bored watching. No, 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 no. It doesn't doesn't drag. Like it doesn't drag, but it's but you're absolutely right that like the pacing's messed up and some parts are too <laughs> slow and other parts are too fast. That's why but Brian's like, "What it, happened, guys? It, what happened? I don't watch this movie. I don't know. I don't know what's going on." There's the voice. So, did you guys notice that there's a Street Fighter reference? The guy says, "Sure, you can." It's very weird because I I I looked it up and I think this Street Fighter one was '92. So it would have been in kind of the lexicon more or less in 93 when they were writing the the script and the movie came out in 94, say. But it's a very, like, all the notes that I wrote are almost exclusively Brad Dourif being insane. Like, hey, fuck you, ho-ho, and then go fax yourself. But then my last two notes are the, the sure you can thing. And then some cop who, right before he gets eviscerated by the war machine, he goes, holy donuts. And I realized... Yeah. That, that needs to be the donuts. first. Yeah, that needs to be in this possible breakdown only metalcore thing that I've been talking about for forever, where it's like just an excuse to use the most ridiculous sound clips from horror movies that people will be like, oh, that one, you know? <laughs> well, also, so a few things I, I realized when you mentioned the Street Fighter Two thing that I was like, I never even clicked into the IMDb trivia to see if there's anything interesting in there uh it does mention that the declaration of shuriken the only other thing that kind of jumped out at me that i i i'm sure pops up in the movie and i just wasn't paying attention was that the film takes place in 2003 which is a real ballsy move to only go 
nine years into the future for your cyberpunk R movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, apparently, uh, Rachel Weiss is yeah. in this movie as one of the what? executives. I think that I, of all people on this show, would notice Rachel Weiss being in this movie, and I did not notice her. This afternoon, I was like, let me reread like the the brief description in that Fangora magazine book that I have. And obviously, like they're trying not to give too many spoilers, and they're trying to keep it to a simple pitch. So it basically was just like, when a mad scientist is fired, he unleashes an invention on his co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> like... Oh my god. This is the seventh grader pitches the movie concept <laughs> and suddenly the office becomes a labyrinth of terror and i'm like a labyrinth of terror Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> put down that smartphone and listen to me i'm matthew milligan professional musician and lifelong weird owl fan each week i'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend matt kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of 20 in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Double features, Scott. You pick this one. What, what double feature would you pop on? I am this? the most basic bitch ever. I'm going with Chopping Mall. Oh, I mean, God. there's no explanation needed. It's just Chopping Mall, man. So I'm going to bounce off of that, and I know that Brian – I don't even think Brian's ever seen this movie. film that I need to revisit and see if it's worth doing an episode on one day, but the movie that I always think of when I think of Death Machine is Hardware. Of course. Which is, you know, just another killer robot movie, but this time in an apartment complex. I remember it being a lot more gory then Death Machine actually ends up being. I'm pretty sure someone gets, like, chainsawed through the middle of their body at one point. Yeah, hardware. Weird, weird cyberpunk horror film from 1990. All right, how about you, Brian? What did your Googling give you? Uh, It didn't come up anything, so I would probably pair this with 1969's Self-Portrait. What? It is a film by Yoko Uno. Uh, and the film consists of a single 42-minute shot of the semi-erect penis of her husband, John Lennon. One of the critics said, lasting some 40 minutes, it focused upon the unaided tomb sense and detomb sense of his member, reaching some sort of climax when a pearl-like drop of semen. That's an actual movie that went into film festivals in 1969. But why, why is that your double feature? 
Do you just want to see John Lennon's pre-cum or what? No, because I never want to watch this again. So I'm never going to watch a double feature with it. And I couldn't think of anything. And I didn't see any movies that were like it. <laughs> At least I could talk about that on the show. You know what I mean? I could be like, remember the penis? That's true. And I, I think like, you've been sitting on that fun fact. For too long. Yes, correct. Scott, what have you watched recently that you want to talk about? So i got to tell you guys, I watched something that I did not enjoy. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something I did not enjoy and something that I have planned. How's that? It's a little, a little too far right. for you. Right, um, so I watched Freaky, the horror slasher comedy-esque, comedy in quotes, remake of Freaky Friday. Uh, remake of a remake of Freaky Friday starring Vince Vaughn and some young girl. Matt was like, oh, it's fine. It's not fine. It's really fucking bad. What do you have to say for yourself, Matthew? Will I, like, frequently watch it? No. It's definitely a disappointment when, when you go into it knowing that it's the guys who did the Happy Death Day movies that I think are way more fun and interesting. But, I uh, I like some of the kills. I think that the whole concept is just so dumb. Scott thinks it's dumb. Matt likes some of the kills. I like that Brian has just taken a sports announcer angle to this episode. <laughs> Next up, he's going to ask if you eat the play. moon if it was made out of cheese. <laughs> I would. So what's something that you're planning to watch that? <laughs> All right. So, so in the span of time between saying how shit freaky was, I want to mention the fact that we have all been just coming in our genes over Bo Burnham's inside, including myself. And I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, not a stand-up guy. I can't stop thinking about him. I'm in love. He's not a stand-up guy either, though. You could tell he's a theater kid. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, perfect example of that song, Goodbye, at the end, is just like a reprise of, like, every song in the special. It just has such, like, a musical vibe to it. I love it. I mean, and reprises are a lost art. You know? Like, I feel like the world needs more of those. So, Brian, what is something that you watch that you want to talk about? So, I didn't watch anything, um, but I do want to talk about what I saw. Uh, which is probably by the time this comes out is going to be news to no one, but I'm hoping to be breaking news to you and Scott. <laughs> um, they just announced Ari Aster's next film. Uh, it's called Disappointment Ooh. Boulevard. It's starring Joaquin Phoenix, and it's described as an intimate, decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. I'm gonna I'm gonna name the supporting cast from Don't Care About to Most Excited for Kylie Rogers, who I don't know. Amy Ryan, who is in the office, she ends up marrying Michael. Patty Lapone and Nathan Lane. That's gonna be a fire movie. <laughs> do you, so, so you guys may know better than I do. Do you know who Patty Lapone is? Because I ended up googling it. She's like the no. uh, she's one of the old women in Hollywood, the show Hollywood, not oh, the actual oh, place Hollywood. Sorry. I, th- I was going to say, I thought you were talking about, like, you know, she's one of the old ladies of Hollywood with Joan Crawford and Betty <laughs> no, no, <laughs> She's no, somehow she's a ghoul that has lived for a hundred years. She's actually, like, a Broadway actress. I was looking yeah, around, I was gonna like, say, dude, fucking Nathan familiar, Lane. So maybe it's from that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be not a horror movie? That, like, is this just going to be, like... It seems like a drama, which he'll be good at. <laughs> His last two movies weren't horror movies. We just had this conversation. Fair, fair. All right, so... I'm not going to talk too much about this, but the mo- what I most recently watched also was almost my double feature. And it was a movie called Death Machines, which I incorrectly purchased from the Vinegar Syndrome table thinking it was Death Machine. And it turned out to just be a kung fu movie. So Ooh. It was all right, but uh, 
when you turn it on and like in the first 10 minutes, I was like, I don't think this is the killer robot. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> but yeah, so Death Machine, not to be confused with Death Machines from 1994, Scott's pick, Good Times, good 90s horror movie. And next week, we are going to watch a film that is arguably the last true slasher film. So strap in, get ready for that. That and is a we will, wild boast. Yeah, I will find out. Strap in, find out, and we will see you next week here on Horror Movie Night. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.